Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Black and Teal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. Welcome to the 51st episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. We're over the hill now. We are past 50. We're still kicking. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Scott Klein. You can find him on Twitter at ScottKlein1. Find myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-D-E-L-U-G-O. I don't normally spell it out for you, so uh, if you're listening, you should feel very privileged right now. And if you're a Jaguar fan, you should be very feeling very privileged to have Jalen Ramsey on your team. We've got a lot to get oh, into man. today. Uh, Jalen Ramsey really spouting off about A.J. Green. Leonard Fournette uh, talking about his deactivation in Week 9 against the uh, Bengals. So we got a lot to get into. How you doing today, Scott? Happy Wednesday? Just spitting facts. Just spitting the truth. A.J. Green soft. <laughs> yeah, speaking of spitting the truth, one Matt Money Smith from uh, NFL Network's Fantasy Live just said the Jaguars' offensive line isn't very good or isn't good in general. So we had to go tweet at him some facts. Jaguars offensive line's only given up 11 sacks this year. The Jaguars offensive line has had a clean slate in three games. Um, they, they're blocking for the number one rushing offense in football. And through eight games, two of those games don't have Leonard Fournette back there. Plus, so, Linder has been out right. multiple games. Right, you've had injuries injury. on the offensive yeah. line. Cam Robinson was out for almost the entire Colts game. Uh and it's an offensive line that has just been resilient and much improved and deserves credit. And for someone on NFL Network to not know that the Jaguars' offensive line is <laughs> performing at a high level, honestly, it's not all that surprising because some people just don't pay attention. And like yeah. over the past five years or so, yeah, you could easily say the Jaguars' offensive line hasn't been very good. But you, we just wanted to get that out there. You, you'll you start to see and be able to weed out all the people who are actually paying attention because the storylines that have been relevant the last couple of years about the Jaguars, people will still spout out about, about if they're not really paying attention. Right. With all the same cliches and blah, blah, blah. Like this. But exactly, I mean, man. Hey, it's a new team. It's a, I got a new lease on life. It's great to be two games over 500 for the first time in 38 years. I'm excited. In 38 years? Okay. not It, it seems like <laughs> that. It's been about a decade. Well, uh, fortunately, the Jaguars haven't been around for 38 years. But, yeah, it has been quite some time, nearly a decade for a lot of the numbers you'll see. You know, two games over 500, uh, two straight wins, I think the last mm-hmm. time was 2010. A lot of things that were either 2010, 2008, or 2007 are starting to come back up here. And 2010, if you remember, uh, the Jaguars were 8-5 and five at one point. They closed the season with three losses yeah. and didn't make the playoffs. So uh, we're getting back to some really good football, obviously. This show, as in all our shows, presented by Bold City Brewery. Check them out at BoldCityBrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoldCityBrewery. They've hooked us up with some uh, fantastic beverages here today. We've got the 1901 Red Ale, which isn't one of their beers that they can and distribute, but it is one of their flagship beers uh, named after the fire of 1901. Great beer here. we got the pumpkin beer, still pumpkin season. 
And we have the barrel-aged Dukes once again, because why not? Gotta love the barrel-aged. It's always a favorite. (laughs) So, shout out to them again. Make sure to go see them. Original location over on Roselle. Their new location on East Bay Street downtown. As Scott clanks his beer over here on our (laughs) glass table. That's why we have coasters, (laughs) man. Uh, But, we've got a lot to get into today. Our tailgate, we're going to have... A tailgate for the second straight week for the first time this season, which is exciting. Uh, Jaguars versus Chargers coming up this weekend. We'll be out there at 9 a.m. We'll have Metro Diner Chicken Biscuits, Craft Beer from Bolt City Brewery, several other uh, local breweries and bars. We'll have Carved Craft Vodka. Um, Scott will be able to attend. Yeah. Uh, Me and Scott are going to our first game this year together, I believe. So that's exciting. We'll also have uh, Flapjacks. If you're on Twitter, you can go follow him for some weird takes. Ryan Mahanko. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember his actual Twitter handle. But a lot of exciting news, only non-exciting news. Hunter Evans, our third co-host, we believed was going to be able to join us today for the first time in seemingly ages. But uh, his wife had other plans, apparently. So... Go give him some crap for not being able to be with us today. He always provides a lot of uh, Jaguars homerism, but also is really talented at breaking down X's and O's. So we do miss not having him on the show, but you can go give him some crap on Twitter. He's at Coach H underscore Evans. Hopefully he'll be with us next week. Now we're going to get into the latest Jaguars headlines, Jaguars Bengals recap. Injury update, midseason awards, Jaguars Chargers preview, look around the AFC South PFF minute, and keep one let one walk. We've got a ton to get into today, Scott. Let's go ahead and start with the headlines. Uh, I'm dubbing this the return of Duval. The bank was rocking on Sunday. It was really loud atmosphere inside the game. Uh, once uh, Jalen or Jaden uh, Mickens yeah, returned that punt for that a was... touchdown, the stadium just exploded. Uh, it was a fantastic experience. You haven't had the stadium like that uh, in a really, really long time, to be quite honest. So it's great to see the return of Duval getting the bank rocking again. Yeah, I mean, I was I was tweeting about it as the game was going on. It you could hear the on the broadcast just how loud it was there. And it's, it's so awesome, especially on that one play that you talked about, the punt return. Just where, when he's flipping into the end zone, people are losing their minds. I love the camera angle that they have on the stadium to where you can really see. It's, it's kind of a lower angle, so you get a real good view of the crowd yeah. and everyone. And it's just, everyone's going nuts. It was such, I'm getting chills just yeah. thinking back it, to it's it. It's exciting, man. Uh, you know, Jaguars are 5-3 and three now. And the bank was rocking Sunday. It's going to be rocking again this Sunday. Gus Ooh. Bradley returns to Jacksonville. 14-48 and 48 is the Jaguars head coach. The worst statistical coach in football history. Maroon's, Gus Bradley. Maroon's trying to get to 14. Well, yeah, in one close season. to 14. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he has the opportunity to get to 14 this year. I forgot about playoffs because well, that was he has two wins, or one win in 2016. Correct. So if the Jaguars went out, go thirteen and three. It's easy. Doug Marone sitting right there at fourteen wins, just tied with Gus Bradley, who was the Jaguars coach for four plus years, after just 
one season and a couple games. And we joke a lot. He's going to come close with the schedule that they have. Yeah. He's going to come close. If not, it's going to be a major letdown. No yeah. question about it. Now, Leonard Fournette, he was inactive in Week 9. He apologized. Uh, apologized on Twitter. Said it was a real good growing up lesson. He also apologized via local media on Wednesday. And uh, he tweeted out a picture of him at practice saying he was on time. <laughs> and it, it appears that he has taken this incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said it'll never happen again. So, yeah. I mean, and it's it's something where it's a it's a gut check. I mean, it's, or a reality check. I mean, when you're in college, they the rules probably get bent a little bit because he's Leonard freaking Fournette. Right. <laughs> I mean. More lenient and everything. Doug Marone, everyone's the same. Everyone starts on the same playing level. If you don't do what every other person on the team is willing to do, then you're not going to be able to participate. We'll win without you. Yeah, and they certainly did that. And I guarantee you it was hard for him not being on that field. Uh, He said it was aggravating, and he's really (laughs) reflected a lot on it. Uh, He said one of the hardest lessons and best lessons in life is that no one owes you anything. Yeah. Uh, you're not owed anything by anyone. So really learning to be humble and fit in with the team. Probably a little bit of an adjustment for Fournette. But he's a guy that seems more than willing to do it. So that's really good. Jalen Ramsey, my goodness. As everyone knows, he and A.J. Green were both ejected from the uh, from the Jaguars-Bengals game Sunday. Uh, Ramsey was getting in Green's head. He uh, shoved Green to the ground. Green proceeded to walk behind Ramsey, get him in a chokehold, and start throwing punches at Ramsey's helmet. It's never smart for any NFL player, or football <laughs> player for that matter, to be throwing punches at someone's face mask. I mean, yeah. who's going to take more damage there, the face mask or your hand? For a guy, Especially a wide receiver. Exactly. For a guy who please get paid to catch the ball, those, those helmets are hard. <laughs> you break your hand, you can't do your job. So it's... Kind of it's crazy because AJ Green is a guy that never talks. Yeah. He never gets into it with anyone. He just lets it go. And Jalen right said that Bengals players were like, as soon as he started talking, right? You knew, yeah, you knew that he had gotten to him. And it was obvious throughout the game. Uh, Green did beat Ramsey one time. Uh, Dalton missed the throw, so Green ended up with one catch for six yards. The, the catch did not go for a first down, and it was on a third down. And, he and got guess who hit. made the tackle? Big hit on the sideline. Jalen Ramsey, of course. Now, uh, Ramsey did enlighten us a little bit more as to what took place that day. Uh, Today, there's a video via Brian Chodnacki from First Coast News. Several other people got the video as well, but he's who we got it from. Uh, He did not hold back talking to the media. You can catch the video on our website, genjag.com. Again, it's via Brian Chosnacki of First Coast News. You can catch the full video, but we'll just kind of give you a little preview of what Ramsey had to say. I told him, talking about A.J. Green, almost every play that he was weak, that he was soft, straight facts. He just couldn't handle the truth. (laughs) And Ramsey went on to say a lot more than that. He went on to uh, call what Green did basically bullshit. And, of course, that got beeped out in the video, but... He's such a refreshing person. I mean, the, when's the last time the Jaguars ever had anyone like him? I don't know if they have. No. I mean, he's he's a superstar. 
Yeah, with that, like, whether the national media has found it or not, and, and they, they and they have, they have. and they uh, oh. maybe not to the extent that yeah. they will, but they have to he, some extent. Oh yeah, he's going to be one of the faces of the NFL as soon as maybe next year. Yeah, and I because mean, same thing could be said for the other Jaguar who missed time last week, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, he's not only is he the best football player every time he steps on the field, he's got the biggest personality too, and he'll let yeah. you know about it. Yeah, that was. It's been a really fun situation to watch. There, you can follow all the coverage we've had on it on GenJag.com. You can also see our latest videos. UCF Jaguar, our video correspondents, getting videos up a few times every week. So check that out. Our podcast is on there. Our blogs are on there. So go check us out, GenJag.com. And uh, Jaguars. They're in the top 10 in nearly every national power ranking, Mm -hmm. and they're in ESPN's top 10 for the first time since 2008. Wow. (laughs) So that is awesome to see. I believe NFL.com, they're number 7. ESPN, they're number 10. Obviously, you like the number 7 a little bit more than number 10, but... Good to see the Jaguars getting respect nationally everywhere now that they're 5-3. and three. It's not uncommon ground. We're always used to being in the top 10. It's just normally the draft order that we're <laughs> yes. looking at this time of year. That's absolutely <laughs> right, Scott. So yeah, we're in a different sort of top 10 this season, which is obviously very exciting. Salute to Service Week. Uh, I want to address... I've seen some comments from people like the NFL is only doing this salute to service because of... The entire uh, debacle with kneeling during the national anthem and they're trying to get back in the good graces with veterans and other people they offended. That's simply untrue. The NFL does this every year mm-hmm. and the Jaguars do it every single week. Yeah. Much. They're <laughs> honoring their veterans. Mm-hmm. So I don't really like to hear, hear people making just ignorant comments about that. And to that end, the NFL, uh, until November 11th, 11-11, every tweet that has hashtag salute to service will generate a $5 donation to the NFL's nonprofit partners. That's awesome. So just go tweet it. Hashtag salute to service. You can do a $5 donation. You don't have to donate any money. The NFL will get it done. So that's awesome to see. Uh, Gus Bradley, like we said, is returning to town. Defensive coordinator of the Chargers, former Jaguars head coach. That's going to be a great storyline to watch. Uh, and Jaden Mickens, who we mentioned before, AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Shout out to him. Just uh, flipping his way through the week, I'm sure. Yeah. No, he's, <laughs> he's, he, his second punt return in his career ends up going for a touchdown. Yeah. There was a little trickeration on the one before that with the little flip to Corey Grant. Yeah, there was. It was, um, it was exciting. It's, they're, they're, they're pulling out all the stops. I mean, they, they, Joe D is really trying to... Recover from that Rams game, and it certainly and they, yeah they've done really well since has that been Rams doing awesome. the last two yeah. weeks. They've been probably the best special teams in the NFL the last two weeks. Uh, injury update: Wednesday practice, no Marcel Darius. He's out with an illness. Insider information: I believe he'll be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I believe he will be good to go. Probably as early as tomorrow, if I had to guess. Marquise Lee. Uh, <laughs> I jokingly write everything here (laughs) is what his ailment is. But he's been dealing with a lot of different minor injuries this year. He's dealing with a knee right now. He's been dealing with it the last couple weeks. He hasn't practiced in over a month, seemingly. (laughs) Seemingly, it's been almost all year. Uh, But he's been playing every week. 
and he's been playing very well over the last few weeks. And it uh, seems like he should be good to go again. Yeah, and with him being beat up, he's been really the most consistent wide receiver. Um, he had a drop, a pretty bad drop. Two, uh, two bad drops in the last game. But yeah. he had eight catches on 12 targets, mm-hmm. 75 yards, a nice touchdown. He's playing very good football. And he's, and he's toughing it out because we're thin at wide receiver right now. And, right. And it's, it's huge. Yeah, uh, speaking of being thin, D.D. Westbrook again is fully practicing this week, even though he didn't play in Week 9. I think they're just really trying to get it to where he gets in the game and there's no no learning curve. Yeah. He and gets get, in the game and he's ready to go. Yeah, being eight weeks off of football, he's got to get his conditioning right where it needs to be. And he doesn't need to be out there every play. Um, but just get as much as he can, just reps, reps, reps. Timing between quarterback and wide receiver is so big. It's hard to just implant one player, one wide receiver, Especially and expect a guy success. That's that fast. Yeah, you really <laughs> got to be able to learn exactly how much to put on a football because mm-hmm. you can you can underthrow it in a heartbeat with a guy like that. Now, those were the only two Jaguars that did not participate in practice today. Uh, Aurelius Ben has a groin; he was limited. AJ Can triceps held him out of Week Nine; he was limited. Patrick Omame, knee limited. Jeremy Parnell, knee limited. Jalen Ramsey, groin limited. None of these injuries are expected to be an issue moving forward into week 10 into Sunday, but still something to keep an eye on for all those guys. Um, The Jaguars have proven that they can certainly shuffle offensive linemen and still be very productive on the offensive line. But against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, you want to have your best guys available and again, that's AJ Can, Patrick Omame, Jeremy Parnell that are all limited. So you really want to see those guys get healthy, you know, by week's end. Yeah, it's, it's like like you said, especially against a solid, um, a solid uh, defensive line like this. But I mean, they just seem to be able to throw whoever in there and get the job done. If right. Blake keeps playing the way he's playing, it's yeah, know, he's open doing up a, a great lot. job getting the ball out. Uh, even when there is pressure. So yeah. that's that's been encouraging. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our midseason awards. We've got MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Most Improved Player, and Most Surprising Player. So let's go ahead. Let's start at the bottom with the uh, not-as-important Awards and work our way up to MVP. Let's move through this pretty quickly here, Scott. Who's your most surprising player? Um, I'm I'm gonna say Blake Bortles. Um, okay. I still don't think he's the quarterback of the future. I criticized him to no end earlier in the season, but he's when you look at. I mean, as recently as week six, he's received heavy criticism. Yeah, absolutely from us and others. But the last two games that he's played have been spectacular in in, in his turn. I mean, he's been efficient. He's thrown the ball all over. Really, in anyone's terms, they've been they've been great games. Yes, there's missed throws, but mm-hmm. you look at the statistics and the production; it's it's all there. Yeah, and then you you have another game like the Ravens. Um, he hasn't really cost us in too many games. The Titans one comes to mind. The Jets. Which there was a lot other that yeah. went wrong besides penalties Blake Bortles were, not playing well. Yeah, penalties. Same thing with the Jets games. game. So, Same thing with the Rams game. So. Mm-hmm. All three games that you can point to that Bortles did not play well, he was far from the only problem. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's one of the guys where we talked about if he can just be average, this team can win. And he's exceeded that. Yeah. And I didn't expect that. Um, I, I thought as soon as they started signing quarterbacks, he was done for. And they were planning on moving on from him immediately. But he's, he's sticking in there and proving all of us wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. He's not on my list here. My most surprising player is A.J. Cam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, for me, he was left for dead uh, after this year. I wanted to replace him. He had a terrible sophomore year following what was really a very impressive rookie season in 2015. But he just did not play well last year. Uh, to Do- Dave Caldwell's credit, he stuck with him. Throughout the entire offseason, he made it clear that A.J. Can was the Jaguars' starting right guard. Uh, he made it clear that he believed A.J. Can could play at an elite level in the NFL. And A.J. Can's not playing at an elite level consistently yet, but he's playing very, very well. And he's been a big part of the reason the offensive line has done so well so far. Yeah, and I'm 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 right there with you. I couldn't for my you that kind of is my most improved player, oh, okay. which is the next category. I couldn't nail one down. Oh, I just wow. put offensive line because yeah, Jeremy begin- Parnell's much improved. Yeah. Uh, you know, Josh Wells, who is a backup, he mm-hmm. was improved. Uh, you know, when he had to come in against uh, the Colts, Shatley Shatley's been, been great at center. Like, yeah. So it's just. The, from the beginning of the season, when going into the year, you had a rookie left tackle, Brandon Linder, and a nightmare, so we thought, to now, it's been unbelievable yeah. to me. It's, it's I, I would put most surprising, but it's just as a whole, they're, they're competing so much, they're playing so much better than I ever would have anticipated. Yeah, and I think Pat Flaherty, the new offensive line coach, mm-hmm. deserves a lot of credit. And probably Doug Marone does too, because even though he was the offensive line coach in the past, he wasn't able to run things the way he believed mm-hmm. they should be run under Gus Bradley. Yeah. That's been very clear. Yeah. So, uh, big shout out to the offensive line, like you said. My most improved player, I do have one player, not a position group. I'm obeying the rules here. <laughs> Dante Fowler. I mean, pretty I, easy to pick him out. Uh, I, actually I originally had him as my most surprising because even heading into the season, he had all sorts of off-field issues. He had questions about his maturity, questions about his ability to rush the passer. All he's done is rack up five and a half sacks. He's number 18 in the NFL in sacks. And uh, he's a stout run defender on the edge, playing very good football. Yeah, uh, that was my original choice. But I was like, I, I, I got to switch it up. Um, he's playing at such a higher level. There, he was actually mic'd up this last week. And it was cool seeing him talking to one of the other defensive linemen saying, I started to do this one move. I tried to hit him with speed. But then I saw what he was doing. So I tried to, to change adjust and do, it. adjust it. And being able to work on the fly and actually have moves recognize what the offensive lineman is trying to get him to do. Yeah, that's and, huge. Being able to counter yeah. what the offensive lineman is going to do. And, and just Fantastic. learning football instead of just going out there and being an athlete. And you can see that happening. And it's with matching with his athleticism and how much of a freak athlete he is. If he continues like that, it's you might see his name in that spot for a while. Just as, the, as he keeps growing. Um, for me, I have... 
the next the next thing we have on the list is defensive player of the year. I have his his one of his running mates, uh, Clay is Campbell. I mean, it's pretty obvious. He's leading the league in sacks. Um, he's one of the best run defenders in the league. Um, he's he's brought this defensive line that was already pretty good to being an absolute terror. Um, he brings an attitude, a veteran leadership, and everything on the field mixed with all the intangibles off the field and between plays and everything. It's been an, the biggest upgrade I could have ever imagined, and I thought he was going to be good when we signed him, and he blew my expectations out of the water. I mean, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's certainly blown my expectations out of the water as well. I think anyone would say that, even you know Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin, who signed mm-hmm. him, I don't think anyone expected yeah. this, including them. My defensive player of the year is Jalen Ramsey. Uh, physical freak, gets inside the minds of every single wide receiver he goes up against, and he's gone up against some of the best. He shut down A.J. Green. He shut down T.Y. Hilton. He shut down DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, He held his own against Antonio Brown and eventually had the last laugh as the Jaguars just ran away with that game. And uh, he's just been magnificent uh, all year. There's not much else you can say about him. He's the best corner in football, and he'll tell you that. Yeah. Unless he tells you his running mate, A.J. Boye, is the best. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on what type of mood he's in. But he's my defensive player of the year for the Jaguars. Can't go wrong either way. I mean, they're, they're both playing on a completely different level than anyone else around the league right now. Yeah. Um, offensive player of the year is up next. Got to go with the rookie. Yeah, you're gonna go for both of us here, Leonard yeah. Fournette. I mean, it's 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 obvious. Even even without him, they've been running the ball well. But just not watching him, same, it's not the same at all. I mean, he could have ran for 300 yards against the the Bengals or the Colts. I feel like um, it's just that was an easy one. Really. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's gonna be neck and neck at the end of the year, assuming he's healthy the rest of the year for a rookie of the year. Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt through his only real competition now that Deshaun Watson's out. And uh, he's a guy that just is a different type of player. Just like Jalen and Calais, they're a different type of dude out there. Yeah. It's it's just easy to see when, when you're watching it, even for those who don't know too much about football. Now let's go ahead and get to our MVPs, which obviously are different. Yeah. Mine, I know... Campbell got the defensive player of the year. You're going Ramsey. I'm going Ramsey. Okay, he's so got ours are just flip. He's got the got swagger. He's got the MVP on the field, off the field, in the locker rooms, in the visitors' locker rooms, in the stadium parking lot, wherever you want. He's the MVP. I mean, he's got the attitude, the swagger, everything you want in a lockdown corner like that, plus the skills to back it up. Right. I mean. This guy is my new all-time favorite player in any <laughs> sport ever. I can't stop talking about this guy. Yeah, he's the president. He's the mayor of Jacksonville. Yeah. He's everything. Lord Ramsey. I want to sign him. King to, Ramsey. I want to sign him tonight. The lifetime contract. <laughs> Lock him You're up. Never allowed to leave here, my friend. So yeah, I have Calais. Uh, his impact, in my opinion, is more tangible than Ramsey's is. Mm. Uh, 11 sacks. He's on pace for a half sack shy of the NFL record in sacks. I mean, if that doesn't say everything you need to know. Yeah. But that isn't everything. His leadership 
has, in my mind, helped the culture change greatly that Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin wanted to bring about. I think that was one of the biggest reasons they signed him. Uh, He's a stud against the run. He's not only an excellent pass rusher, which coming into the season, we thought he was more of a run stuffer than pass rusher in terms of his skill set on the edge, but he's doing both at an incredibly high level. I think he, at this point, should be the favorite to be the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, absolutely. So, not a bad not a bad list here to choose from. Obviously, there's a lot of Jaguar players playing very well that didn't make this list. But, that's our uh, midseason awards there. So, we're about 30 minutes in. We'll go ahead and plug ourselves. Check us out, genjag.com. Check out Scott on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. You can find myself, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. Uh, make sure to go follow Bold City Brewery on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. Check them out at BoldCityBrewery.com. And go visit them at their two locations on Roselle and on Bay Street downtown. Uh, we've got our tailgate this weekend. If you want to see any information about that, go visit our Facebook page, at Generation Jaguar. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Bengals recap. We don't need to get too hot and heavy into this one. The Jaguars kicked the Bengals' ass. Pretty easy to see. No Leonard Fournette, no problem for the Jaguars running backs. TJ Yeldon, Chris Ivory, able to carry the load. Uh, Behind an offensive line, like we've talked about, that was a little makeshift. You got Brandon Linder playing right guard, which he's he's not unfamiliar with playing right guard. But he didn't even practice that right guard throughout the week. That's insane. They told him on Friday, you're playing right guard. And he came out and was the best offensive lineman, despite missing a month with an illness. And going up against a guy like Geno Atkins? Right. My goodness. He's an unbelievable football player. I mean, Hunter even was just gushing over how he could play at such a high level at center and then transfer and then transition over without even practicing. Right. And there's been like... You know, Geno Atkins had a ACL a few years ago. It took him a couple seasons to get back to his, um, you know, dominant form. But this year, he's been as dominant defensive tackle as anyone in football. Yeah. And he just got shut down. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it was unbelievable what they're what they're able to do on a week to week basis. Um, the Leonard Fournette news was scary though. I mean, I found out maybe forty five minutes before kickoff. Yeah, I and mean, like, I'm oh, one of no. the many fantasy owners that had to run to our yeah. fantasy football app and uh, switch him out. Fortunately, I was still able to get the win without him. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it it's just something where you're like, oh my gosh, it's happening. I mean, the the Bengals are really going to come out and try and do this. But then they yeah, actually get on the know, field. Montez Perfect, who's a talker himself, kind of oh, yeah. like Jalen Ramsey, doesn't do as much backing up of his talk <laughs> as Jalen Ramsey does, but... Perfect said throughout the week that, you know, we just know we have to stop Leonard Fournette. Bortles can't beat us. Bortles said, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Not so fast. (laughs) Not so fast, my friend. Bortles came out and had a huge day. You know, uh, no no interceptions. Uh, He did have one ball that got tipped that was very close to being intercepted. Should have been intercepted, but it wasn't. He played very well. Found Marquise Lee for a touchdown pass. Found a lot of other receivers throughout the day. Oh, somehow missed Mark Sadie's Lewis. Well, with, yeah, that no. was definitely a miscommunication. Oh. Bortles, first of all, it was great that he just got the pass off in yeah. general. Uh, second, uh, Mercedes stopped. Yeah, he, he just was so wide open. There was He's no, like, throw me the ball. No one within 20 and yards. Bortles thinks Mercedes is going to keep running into the end zone. So it was just a miscommunication. 
missed opportunity. But on the very next play, Chris Ivory picks up a first down. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, it was you know. amazing how efficient they were. I mean, I think it was twelve for eighteen on third downs. Uh, yeah, and Bortles was twelve of fifteen <laughs> on his third down completions or that's, third down passes. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, over the last two weeks, the Jaguars' offense has done a complete uh, 180 in terms of what they've been able to do on third down, and their third down efficiency has just been off the charts. And this was a good defense they were going up against. Yeah, it's the not Bengals the Bengals is a very well-respected uh, defense around the league. Uh, for the last several, you know, over half a decade, the Bengals have been a well-respected defense. But... This isn't resting on their laurels. This year, they're one of the better defenses in football. They get after the passer. Mm. They have good linebacker play, and they have good defensive back play. Yeah, and uh, once that in particular, they they were, we had lead the league in sacks. They lead the league in um, quarterback pressure percentage. Um, so that just shows you how effective they've been at been able to be getting at the quarterback, um, and. It, <laughs> Blake Bortles and our offensive line just completely shut him down. Yeah. Not to mention being able to run all over all over the yard. It was just a, it, it was easy. I mean, I predicted a twenty three to ten victory that was yeah, dominated. I did uh, thirty to thirteen, so I was pretty close on the uh, <laughs> the margin. But I I didn't think it would be that dominating. I mean, they had they ran thirty seven offensive plays. Yeah. Yeah, 37 <laughs> offensive plays. They had 19 minutes in time of possession. Absolutely incredible. The 37 offensive plays is the Bengals franchise low. Uh, it's the second fewest the Jaguars have allowed in their franchise history. Um, Marcel Darius, let's go ahead and get in there. He was in on 12 of the 37, uh, 12 of the 37 defensive snaps, and he was able to get three tackles. Couple of them were right at the line of scrimmage. A really impressive start for him, and the addition of him, honestly, it is going to be really difficult for offensive lines to handle Marcel Darius, and then when he doesn't go in the game, handle Avery Jones. Yeah, Avery Jones played his best game of the season, and that shows you what competition can do. Yeah, you bring in an All Pro like that, Avery Jones still gets the start. He's got to show, hey, I'm worth a spot. I gotta be on the field. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> pretty fun to watch there, no doubt about it. Uh, getting back to the offensive side of ball, the passing game, like we said, Bortles played really well, but the receivers are playing really well. We mentioned yeah. Marquise Lee had uh, twelve targets, eight catches. He's now been very effective in the last uh, over the last month of the season. He's been a receiver that numbers wise has been one of the better receivers in football over that time period. Uh, you've got Keelan Cole, who over the last two games is starting to emerge as someone you're not scared to throw the ball to. Yeah. And he made what might be the most impressive catch of the entire season in the NFL, uh, running across the middle. Bortles missed him high and behind, and he just snatched the ball out of the air and proceeded to keep running. Yeah. Got a nice big chunk of yardage. Yeah, the guy, the announcer called it a Spider-Man catch. And I mean, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. He just stuck his hand out. He twisted around backwards, just threw his hand out like a right. prayer and just brought it in. It was and unbelievable. We, we've seen him make some impressive catches in practice and preseason, but for a guy that's that fast to be able to make plays like that, yeah. 
He really does have the potential to be a great weapon for the Jaguars if they continue to develop him uh, the way they have been. Alan Hearns was reliable. Three catches on four targets. He's a guy, like like I said, Doug Marone's called Mr. Reliable. He's just a guy that gets the job done. And he got a nice first down that was crucial. So he's a guy that's getting it done at important times as well. Mm-hmm. And and not to mention, the, and including the wider, or on top of the wide receivers, Mercedes Lewis yeah. had a couple big catches. He's having a very impressive season. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder... Could this guy have been so much more for his career had Gus Bradley not been the Jaguars head coach? You could say that about a lot of players, I feel like. And it sucks for them. It really does. So uh, let's not not be too down. (laughs) I'm going to make myself depressed here. (laughs) But uh, getting back to the positive things, back to the defensive side of the ball. We already talked about how the defense as a whole played really well. The run defense, though, you bring Marcel Darius in to help your run defense. They only allowed 29 yards on the ground. The Bengals are a bad rushing team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But 29 yards on the ground is just incredible. That's atrocious. You you hope to get that on on one drive. Yeah, on one play. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) They do have a terrible offensive line. They lost their right tackle. Um, to an illness that apparently is going to keep him out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, he was brought to the hospital in the middle of the game. Um, but still, you have to be able to prove just because there's a bad offensive line and a bad rushing attack does not mean they aren't capable of exposing you and right. letting you be come out of the party. So, I mean, to hold an NFL team to 29 yards, it's a huge win. I mean, it's something we hadn't seen. We were the dead last in the league, and now I think we're 26th. Yeah, they had a huge <laughs> jump one week. It's incredible. It's awesome. So you hope to see them get even maybe into the teens by the end of the season. They've got half a season left to do it. Now, this was an incredibly physical game. Uh, the Jaguars were chippy. The Bengals were chippy. But the Jaguars didn't let the chippiness yeah. affect their level of play where the Bengals did. They showed to be a mentally tough team, and the Bengals did not. It To me, I was watching the game, and I was like, I don't know what it was, but man, these guys came out angry. It was like, it was, it seemed like they had some sort of grudge against each yeah. other. I mean, maybe, you know, the Jaguars are irritated with, uh, with uh, Fontez Burford calling out Blake Bortles. Doug Marone did say after the game, you call one of us out, you call all of yeah. us out. Uh, then you've got... You know, Jalen Ramsey jawing it up, uh, trying to get in A.J. Green's head. Bengals just weren't ready for it. And maybe things are starting to really, really spiral out of control for that team. Yeah, Marvin Lewis is a dead man walking. I mean, he's if I think they have too much respect for him in Cincy and they're not going to fire him mid-year. They should. But if, they're, if he's the, the coach next year, it's an absolute travesty. He's keeping important players no off the field he he's keeping talent off the field he's squandering a team that's been to the playoffs six straight uh, yeah. years at least and has had they, he's never won a game yeah in the playoffs that that's well, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 time for him to go um they're completely non non-competitive offensively um but 
a lot of that was because of Jaguars defense. That, no doesn't, doubt. that doesn't hurt. And it's good. I just really like to see the fact that both teams are chippy, but the Jaguars didn't lose their head. The Bengals yeah. did. And that's I, what I like to I see. I like how Jalen Ramsey was walking away and he said, the only reason I didn't retaliate is because I didn't want to get ejected. Yeah. Well, and and he, and he said today, uh, Ramsey did, he said, if I knew I was going to get ejected, <laughs> yeah. I would have defended myself. Yeah. He also said, I did, in fact, try to go to the Bengals locker room, but... Uh, security wouldn't let him. Yeah. So he's like, "I'm already kicked out. <laughs> Let's go." Yeah, exactly. So, so it, pretty it, cool. It's it's cool. Yeah, it's like you said, a mental toughness to where you can dish it out and handle a little bit coming back at you. You know yeah. what I mean? Now, all this stuff is all fine and dandy, but it's time to give the special teams credit. Oh my goodness! The Jaguar special teams was a little bit of a roller coaster prior to week six. Week six, they completely fell apart. They give up a 103-yard kick return touchdown to Farrow Cooper. They get a punt blocked, recovered for a touchdown. They uh, they have a Brad Norman punt that travels 16 yards that sets up the Rams in field goal territory when they got the ball. The, the special teams essentially allowed 17 points that day by themselves. Uh, and Jason Myers missed two of his three field goals that day. Since that day... There's been some changes made. Uh, Jason Myers no longer employed by the Jaguars. He was replaced by Josh Lambeau, who is 5 of 5 on field goals, has set a career long with a 56-yarder, and is 5 of 5 on extra points. He has three touchbacks in two games. Uh, they replaced Max McCaffrey with Jaden Mickens at punt returner. All he's done is uh, go out and get... Excuse me, I thought I heard something there. Go out and get three punt returns this week for uh, 83 yards, a 63-yard punt return touchdown. Flips into the end zone. He's an undrafted guy last year for the Raiders. They uh, parted ways with him prior to this season, and the Jaguars were able to grab him. And he appears to have found a home as the Jaguars' punt returner because it wasn't just the 63-yarder. His other two punts were punt returns were impressive as well. And he's a guy that's now averaging 27.3 yards per return for his Jaguars career. Yeah, I mean, his MO in the recent past was just, all right, fair catch, fair catch. And that was the Jaguars' MO in general. Yeah. But this year, or this this game, they really let him loose, and he he absolutely made the most of it. He bought tickets for his mom to come see his game, and man, that was a a good game to pick. No doubt about it. But I when when Josh Lambeau lined up to kick a 56-yarder, I was like, there's no way. I mean, Well, Marone on. said he asked Lambeau, do you have this? And Lambeau's like, well, I got it, Coach. I got it, Coach. <laughs> I went nuts. When He's a he guy that has a great kick. personality, it seems like. He I'm, reminds me of Scobie. He's out there doing funny dances yeah. that... Uh, He's come up with before the games with the, on Twitter and all sorts of stuff like that. Seems like a great. Seems like a Jacksonville. From guy. the moment we signed him, and when he was like, "I'm so excited to be in Jacksonville," and then all his antics on on the field, like dancing as the as the kick is going in, he's starting to celebrate. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been rooting for this guy ever since. I'm so happy that he's here, and he just seems like a cool guy, and I'm I'm rooting for him. And with, when he nailed a career long field goal kick in a game that just poured it on. Yeah. Oh, that was that was awesome. Well, at that point, it wasn't really pouring it on. It was, you know, they were getting the lead, yeah. hit, but that got them to sixteen to seven. So I mean, and at that yeah. point, I was like, it's already out of reach. 
You yeah. know, you did feel like the Jaguars were yeah. already very well in control. You could go into cruise control, eat the clock, and just take it to the locker room. Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, uh, Corey Grant even got in on the action. The Jaguars haven't been able to do a lot of kick returning this year. They haven't given up a lot of points, and uh, thus there hasn't been a ton of kickoffs to be had, and many of them have gone for touchbacks. But Corey Grant returned a kick almost to midfield. There was a penalty Got moved back, but he still got credit for 29 yards on the return. You'd like to see that continue into the future as well for the kick return unit. Uh, last thing here, Jalen Myrick played out of his mind after Jalen Ramsey uh, was ejected from the game. This is a guy, seventh round pick, four two eight forty. Uh, Minnesota wasn't. I mean, like I said, he was a seventh round pick. He wasn't highly thought of. He. Played terrible for most of training camp. Turned it on a little bit at the end, but it was a surprise that he even made the team. He comes out and plays great football for the Jaguars in the second half. He got thrown on several times and did not allow any catches. It was fantastic. So it was really good to see that. Uh, That's going to do it for the Bengals recap. Again, just a sound performance by the Jaguars. Now, I'm really excited about this game coming up. The Jaguars face the Chargers. Uh, There's a familiar face. For so many reasons, this is an exciting game. The Jaguars, this is going to be their fifth straight season playing against the Chargers. This is going to be their eighth time playing against Phillip Rivers in his career. He's 6-1 and one against the Jaguars. They've won six in a row. An average score against the Jaguars uh, in Phillip Rivers' career, 34-14 to 14 for mm. the Chargers. That's bad. It That's is, awful. It is just, it has been really rough for the Jaguars when they've faced Phillip Rivers in the past. Um, the Chargers are coming off a bye week. I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, just in general, I don't like having to face a team coming off a bye, but it is what it is. That shouldn't be an excuse for the Jaguars. We know a lot more about, most people do in general, know a lot more about the Chargers' offense than their defense. So let's get started with their defense. Plays being called by Gus Bradley. They're being coached by Gus Bradley on the defensive side of the ball. They've got the Leo, the Otto, 4-3 base defense. Uh, Overall, they're pretty good. They haven't given up more than 27 points this year in a game. Uh, They have two monster pass rushers. Neither of them might be as good as Calais Campbell, (laughs) but they are both excellent, excellent pass rushers. Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa both have 8.5 sacks this year. They are really getting after it. Uh, they have good secondary pass rushers. Chris McCain and Darius Phylon, I believe is his name. They've combined for eight sacks themselves. Uh, McCain with five and Darius with three. So they've got a pass rush here. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something where, I mean, Melvin Ingram is playing at an extremely high level. Um, he's one of the league leaders in sacks. I mean, he's bound for a huge year. Um, and Joey Bosa. I mean, the guy who a lot of people thought might end up in Jacksonville. Yeah. But kind of was a surprise pick taken by... Um, I was Sam so happy when they took Joey Bosa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's a great player. But I'd rather have Jalen Ramsey. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, so, I mean, their defensive line is strong. Um, uh, they're, they're not as good against the run. Um, they've been a bit exposed 
um, even in the first game of the year. I mean, to me, they're garbage against the run. Yeah. If I'm going to be honest with you, I think this team's garbage against the run. Corey Legit, he's a guy that he's been revered as one of the at least a top ten defensive tackle. He's not playing top ten defensive tackle this year by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I I just don't buy their run defense one bit. I, I really don't buy their defense as a whole. I think they can get after the passer, but mm-hmm. I don't see much more than that. Um, we'll get into more specifics here. Uh, but pass rushing, I do think they have that down, obviously, yeah. with Ingram and Bosa. And one thing that you need to watch, uh, Ingram and Bosa recently have been lining up on uh, – clear third down packages. I don't know if Gus Bradley's still calling it lightning packages or whatever, but lining them up next to each other on the same side, and that is just a load for any pair of guard and Mm -hmm. tackle to handle. I'm hoping to see Mercedes Lewis staying in a lot more uh, to help chip with that, and then maybe doing some faking like he's going to chip and quickly get out for you know a quick dump off mm-hmm. some things like that to counter that just ridiculous pass rush yeah i mean any anytime you have a duo like this where it's not just one person you can focus on you really got to be able to scheme to be able to have a certain look one way and be able to do the opposite out of that same look right um, like, like you said having having a guy stay in and chip or just quickly releasing, getting behind, and just getting the ball out quickly to try and neutralize um, their pass rush. So, I mean, you're going to see a lot a lot of that. I mean, you know what helps? Like like Hunter said, the, one of the best things to do to keep somebody from rushing the passer is just run the ball down their throat. Absolutely. And that should be the Jaguars' strategy for much of the game. They haven't had to just be that pound-the-rock team over the last two weeks. While they have run the ball very well, and they've run it a lot, They've also thrown the ball. I think you might see a return to you know maybe a 200-plus yard rushing performance here. And let's get into why I just don't believe in the Chargers' defense being able to stop the Jaguars' offense. Uh, they have, on paper, tightened up in recent weeks against the run. But that was against the Raiders' rushing attack that, until last week, was just abysmal. Mm-hmm. They're not getting Marshawn Lynch involved enough. Uh, against the Broncos, who are mo- the worst slumping team in football right now, they can't do anything offensively. They're so bad that they they're in a uh, flat circle of time. Brock <laughs> Osweiler's their starting quarterback <laughs> yeah. again, uh, and that and the Broncos were a team that ran all over them week and week one, right? But you know the Broncos' offense has just fallen apart yeah. since then. Uh, the Patriots, they don't want to run the ball yeah. on you. Uh, they don't care about running the ball. And the Giants, who are one of the worst rushing teams in football, and one of the worst teams in football in general, I believe they're one and eight now. Yeah. So those are the teams that the that the Chargers were able to hold down lately with their run defense. Uh, I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. I don't think any of those teams is a good running team. And you look at the teams uh, that they have given up huge yardage to, they're pretty decent running teams, but none of them are as good as the Jaguars. They gave up big yards to Jay Ajayi. They gave up big yards to LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, they gave up big yards to the Broncos in Week 1 when the Broncos were still a confident team. And uh, they also have given up big yards to a couple other teams on the ground. So I don't buy it. Uh, I think they're giving up one of the worst percentage, or one of the worst uh, averages per game on the year on the ground. I'll go ahead and check that for you right here. But 
I just don't buy that they can slow down the Jaguars on the interior. I think uh, any combination of Can, Omame, Shatley, Linder is just going to get the job done against the Chargers front, and the Jaguars should easily be able to pound the rock. And I believe that if the Chargers just load the box, which they might do, even though Gus Bradley doesn't really love to do that. No. Um, I believe that if they do that, Bortles will be ready to take advantage this week. Yeah. And I I feel like, like you said, Gus Bradley isn't normally one to do that. He won't blitz a lot. Um, I feel like they're going to be put in a position to where either they have to or they're going to get run, run all over. Because... Like you said, the offensive the offensive uh, guards centers should be able to handle their business, um, but I mean they might want to just sit back and try and help their corners because they really without Jason Barrett who's out for the season I believe is, haven't yeah. really been able to perform. I mean Casey Hayward can make plays. I mean he terrorized us last year. Going back, Chargers have given him 135 yards on the ground this year. Even though they, you know, gave up basically nothing to the Patriots, uh, Raiders, and Giants, and Broncos recently, so I don't buy that run defense one bit. Yeah. Even with Denzel Perryman returning, I don't buy it. He's been out most of the year on IR. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's coming back this week for the first time. I don't expect him to be full speed by any stretch of the imagination. And I doubt he's on the field for a majority of the snaps. And he's going to be uh, put in at weak side linebacker, mm-hmm. where Hayes Pullard, who the Jaguars should not have cut. This yeah. offseason. I was so pissed about that. Yeah. He'll start at middle linebacker, and he leads them in tackles and interceptions. That's crazy. Yeah, so that was a mistake. <laughs> but getting back to this game, I don't see it for the Chargers D. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the key to beating the Jaguars is play solid on defense and build a lead. And with the defense that they have, they're very they're very well built at pat, rushing the passer. Which is good when you are already putting points on the board offensively. Exactly. When you have the lead. Exactly. But we're not built like that. We want to run the ball. We want to keep the ball away from the other offense. And we want to at least get some sort of momentum early on to where our defense can really attack and settle in right. and pre- be able to predict what you're doing. And the Jaguars' offense has been able to do that all year. Yeah. They've been one of the best offenses in football early on in games, and specifically on the first drive of the game. They've scored on almost all their first drives. Which is a complete 180 from, Stark from contrast. Bradley. Stark contrast. So it, it to me, it's not that they're a bad defense. It's just that the way they're built, for most teams in the league... Yeah, they probably have a good success like with uh, uh, against the Patriots or some sort of passing-oriented team. But against a team like the Jaguars, it's kind of your strength is kind of being negated because we're hopefully not going to be throwing the ball very much. Right. So it's 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 really something to where it's it's more of a matchup that really plays into their weaknesses more than them just not being a competent defense to be able to compare it against us right they are a competent defense no doubt but the jaguars have made several very good defenses make not look look you know just for lack of a better word like we just said incompetent yeah so uh i'm not buying the chargers defense sounds like you're not super buying it obviously you have to be worried about melvin ingram and joey bosa 
but not much scares you beyond that. Uh, moving on to their offense. Dangerous, dangerous passing Ooh. attack. As Jaguar fans know, Phillip Rivers has lit the Jaguars up in the past no matter who he's throwing the ball he to. He gives me nightmares. <laughs> yeah, over the last uh, five weeks, five games I should say, nine touchdowns, two picks for him, which is just great numbers. On the season, 13 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. I mean, excuse me. Six interceptions, <laughs> not 16. 13 touchdowns to six interceptions. That's a good ratio. Getting the, getting the ball in the end zone quite a bit. Uh, his accuracy is a little down, but explosive plays are still there. He's got a ton of weapons still mm-hmm. to get the ball to. Uh, what do you see from Rivers? Yeah, I mean, Rivers is always going to be the guy who slings it all over the place. Um, his turnovers typically come in bunches. Yes. Um, and by the end of the season... He'll most times he'll have double digit interceptions because he takes chances with guys like Keenan Allen, um, Travis Benjamin, um, Antonio. Dear Gates. Lord, do not let Paul Puzlesny cover Travis <laughs> Benjamin this Sunday. I'm, and that's one thing I'm looking forward to is I. The one thing I noticed watching the San Diego defense is linebackers get matched up on wide receivers quite you mean often. The San Diego offense. I'm sorry, San defense? Diego defense. Yeah. The, the linebackers get get uh, matched up against the Chargers receivers. linebackers. Yes, gotcha. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if Perryman's out there at weak side linebacker, mm-hmm. he's not a guy that is a great coverage linebacker. No, I so saw that is interesting. I saw Melvin Ingram fifteen twenty yards downfield trying to cover a slot wide receiver. Wow. The matchups that occur in Gus Bradley's defense. Are they so are mind-boggling. <laughs> like you, you, even me, who isn't a head, I'm not a coach. I'm just a guy who enjoys football and tries to learn as much as I can. I can look at it and say, anytime I can see this one guy, like let's say Denzel Perryman or Hayes Pollard on Marquise Lee, that's where I'm looking. Yeah, he's he's going to win that matchup. There's Every nothing time. Denzel Perryman can do, and that happens a lot. Multiple times a game against against Gus Bradley's defenses. Sure um, does. But I went off on a little tangent there. Yeah, getting but back I mean, to the other side of the ball. But I mean, he, he with all those weapons, he's going to take chances because more a lot of times they're going to make plays for him. Um, so he's been a quarterback that always plays well against us. Um, we haven't had as good of a secondary as we had this year. The Jaguars um, haven't been as good on any level, yeah. any time in Phillip Rivers' career as they are now mm-hmm. on defense. I mean, it's just night and day. Uh, obviously, that doesn't mean Rivers can't have some success. He has literally torched the Jaguars in the past. Uh, he's got Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates. He's got Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, Keenan Allen. He's got Mike Williams, Mike Williams who's just coming yeah. back from injury. Uh, he came back in mid-October. Uh, and backup uh, running back Austin Eckler, he's gotten his fair share of targets out of the backfield as well. You'll see Gordon, Melvin Gordon, and uh, Brandon Oliver also get some targets out of the backfield. So it's a dangerous passing offense. There's no doubt about it. But what are the Jaguars good at doing? Stopping passing offenses. One thing that worries me, and Le'Veon Bell started to expose that, is passes underneath to the running backs. Melvin Gordon show, has shown that he's very dangerous coming out receiving the ball out of the backfield. 
Um, that's one that's one area that I'm kind of locked in on and focusing on and really worried about coming up in this matchup. Not to mention... How to make your tackles in the open field. Absolutely. We do have Miles Jack. We do have Telvin Smith. They should be more than capable of being able to keep up with this guy. But he's just dangerous. Yeah. Um, he's it only had takes a, one play. Yeah, he's had a good year. Um, really ran the ball well. He started off fast. I don't think he's had a good year in general. He started off well. It's it's kind of been a, a bit more downhill as the year goes on. But he's he's still a guy who's capable of exposing of really yeah talented runner. You're right. I I think probably a lot of the issue with him has been the offensive line to mm-hmm. a certain extent. But if you take away his big performance against the Patriots. Uh, Defense, which the Patriots' defense playing better lately, but still nothing great against the run. He wasn't a slouch against the the Broncos. Right, he had a big week against the Broncos as well. But let's just take away against the Pats because you know the Pats' defense is not that good. The Broncos, they are good defense. You got to give them credit for that, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But uh, 117 yards on 300 or 117 carries, 394 yards. That's an average of 3.36 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. That is not good. And again, a lot of that's not on him. This Chargers offensive line is just not that good right now. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, getting into that offensive line, Russell Okung, he's been pretty good in pass protection, not very good in uh, uh, run blocking situations. Joe Barksdale, right tackle, hadn't been playing lately. He will most likely be questionable heading into this week, but... His backup, Michael Schofield, has been playing not well <laughs> at right tackle in his stead. Uh, guard Matt Slauson, who's a pretty good player, he's on IR. His replacement, Kenny Wiggins, not playing well. Uh, rookie guard Dan Feeney from Indiana, he's a guy in multiple yeah. mock drafts that uh, I know we were interested in having mm-hmm. as a Jaguar, but he's been playing at a very high level for a rookie. Not an all-pro level by any stretch of the imagination. But for a rookie, he's certainly playing at a very, very high level at the guard spot. And then Spencer Pulley, their center, not playing well. So, you know, you've got Okung, who's been good in pass pro, bad in run, and you've got Dan Feeney, who's been pretty good in both areas, and the rest of the guys just aren't very good at either. I don't think that's a recipe for running on the Jaguars. I don't think it's a recipe for slowing down Calais Campbell, Unique Ngakwe, Dante Fowler, Malik Jackson, Marcel Darius, Avery Jones, and company. I mean, I just don't see it for them. But uh, getting back to their ground game, I said Melvin Gordon hasn't been great, in my opinion. Uh, As a team, they're averaging less than 90 yards per game on the ground. Their backup, Brandon Oliver, is averaging around three yards a carry. Uh, Eckler, he's got a nice average, but he's really only carried the ball 14 times. He had 135-yard run, and he has about 80-some-odd yards total rushing the ball. So you take away the 35-yarder, and his average isn't very impressive either. What am I getting at? I don't see the Chargers' offense being effective. Yeah, I mean, they, they at times are very explosive, and, and they're dangerous. But as a whole, they leave a lot to be desired. Yeah. You know, with all the weapons that they have out there, you'd really want them to be able to take advantage of it. And and their defense has actually been playing pretty well and keeping them in games. I mean, six of their eight games have been single digit or have been one possession games. Um, they've all been close. 
So, and that's been the mo for Chargers for a long time. As, yeah. as far as with Philip Rivers is always being in close games, but not necessarily being able to close out and be able to win those games. Um, I don't think they're a particularly good team, but they are three and five. I mean. Mm-hmm. They're, they've won three out of four games, but again, you beat the Raiders, who were slumping when you beat them. Yep. You beat the Broncos, who are one of the worst slumping teams in football. You lose to the Pats. It wasn't an embarrassing game. You lose twenty-one to thirteen, uh, and then uh, you also beat the uh, Giants, who they're one and nine. So yeah. it's like, what have you done? Yeah. So it, they certainly have the potential against this defense. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it either. Uh, uh, well, let's go ahead and get into our predictions here. Yeah, um, I do think Philip Rivers is the X factor. If he's playing in one of his games that he normally plays against us, it's going to be a long day. We are more capable of being able to handle a quarterback that's playing out of their mind than we've, I think, ever been. I don't know how. A quarterback can play out of their mind for an entire game against the Jaguars. There, there are certain players in the NFL who can look. Okay, look at Deshaun Watson. What he get, did against the Seattle Seahawks. There are certain players who look can. What he did against the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> okay, different Deshaun okay. Watson. I know, but but I mean, there are players where when it's their day, it doesn't matter who's on the field. That's no fair. one's stopping them. That's fair. But even then, to have. To be able to have one of those days on this defense will not be easy, and I think will be like a needle in a haystack. Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game because that's the MO. That's the Chargers. Yeah, they I haven't been blown out this year. I have 27 to 21. Um, it's going to be a nail-biter. I don't think that them coming over to be playing in an East Coast time zone is a huge change. Um, I think that plays in our favor. I don't like that they're coming off a bye. So I do think that they will be able to find some things to be able to have success on. But in the end, we've got the best defense in the NFL. We've got the best running attack in the NFL. We've got a quarterback who's coming off two of the better games in his career. I think the ball keeps rolling. It's going to be close, but I think I think they just they do enough to get it done. I have 27-21. I have thirty to thirteen or thirty to twenty-three. We're pretty close on our predictions here, mm-hmm. not far off. Uh, I believe, like you said, that San Diego coming off a bye week helps them a lot. Mm. I believe that the Jaguars haven't had any crazy, unfortunate errors lately. I think that that might rear its ugly head a little bit against an opportunistic defense and a, certainly an offense that can score at any time, any play. Uh, I think I think that the Jaguars are going to win their first close game of the year. It might not actually be as close as 30-23 to 23 for most of the game. I could see the Chargers getting a late score, or I could see it be, being very close neck and neck through the game and the Jaguars pulling away at the end mm-hmm. with a strong defensive performance or a nice long offensive drive with Leonard Fournette and company. But I see the Jaguars getting it done. I do believe the Jaguars... I don't know if they're going to score a defensive touchdown. I think they're going to get 
at least one crucial turnover yeah. that is going to really change the game for them and help them out a lot. And, uh, and the special teams needs to continue to play well. Yeah, and I mean, it, we didn't have any turnovers this past game. Um, we didn't have any turnovers, I don't believe, against the Colts. Defense, uh, defensively, we did not force any turnovers correct. the last two weeks. Correct. Um, Phillip Rivers, he's dangerous, but he can take risks. So I yeah. do I, I do think, I agree with you, I think they're going to get back on track. They're going to get at least a turnover. Um, now, uh, one thing that I did fail to mention, the Chargers have only given up 11 sacks this year. Mm-hmm. But that is... Um, Largely a product of Rivers being able to get the ball out quickly, yeah. on time, short passes, underneath routes, things of that, that nature. That's going to be interesting to see what happens with that pass rush. Yeah, and we, did, we didn't get to Andy Dalton a lot last week, but we there certainly pressure. pressured him. He made him move a lot, for <laughs> exactly. sure. And Phillip Rivers isn't nearly as mobile as Andy Dalton is. No, no. And Andy Dalton's no you know, Russell Wilson or yeah. Deshaun Watson, but... He can move a little bit. Mm-hmm. Rivers, he ain't moving much. No. In the years past, he might have been able to, but... Even it's... as a rookie, that was a slow man. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, that is one of the slower quarterbacks you'll ever see. But that's going to do it for our predictions. We both have the Jaguars winning. Uh, we both think it's going to be a much better game than you've seen in the rest of the Jaguars wins, though. Yeah, it might be the first game that we win by less than 16. Now, so I will say, I would not be surprised if the Jaguars blow them out. Yeah. I also wouldn't be surprised if they lose. But, but with, this is my prediction. It's it's crazy how with no matter what team you play with this defense, you can say we could blow them out. Yeah, every week. If yeah. if the offense is rolling and we're able to control the clock, this defense is capable of pitching a shutout. No we get it. We it. You're absolutely right. Now let's move on to uh, look around the AFC South. We know the Jaguars are playing the Chargers. Titans play the Bengals. And A.J. Green did not get suspended following his uh, just unruly behavior. I don't know how. Which is good for us because you <laughs> want the Bengals to be at full strength yep. facing the Titans. It's in Nashville. Uh, that's a game the Titans should win. If they don't win, that is great for the Jaguars. Yes. But I'd be surprised if they don't win. Yeah, I mean, you, we saw them firsthand last week. I mean, they certainly don't have our defense, but their defense is no pushover. Um Unless the Bengals can really create turnovers, they got to wreak havoc. Yeah, they got to get. They got to do a lot of things. Yeah, to right. be honest, but if they can really just clamp down on defense, get a couple turnovers, and really just be able to run more plays, it's going to help. But I, I really don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't either. Uh, Colts versus Steelers. Colts are at home. Mm-hmm. I mean. It doesn't really matter for us. No. I guess I'd rather see the Colts win than lose because I just don't want them to get like the next superstar quarterback. I, I want to see the Colts win because we have a shot with this schedule of having a bye week. Yeah, yeah. You want to see the Steelers lose. Absolutely. So <laughs> I don't think Colts, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but The Colts did just beat the Texans, but you know the Texans are dealing with their own yeah, issues right now. They got an injury bug so bad. So... Uh, yeah, Texans at Rams. Texans three and five now. Rams six and two. The only difference between Jags and Rams record wise is their head to head matchup. I thought you were gonna say Sean McVay. <laughs> he is so good. Yeah, Sean McVay. I love is that it. guy. But uh, gotta give uh, 
Nate Hackett some credit too. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely been drawn up pretty well. So yeah, looks like Titans should get a win. Colts and Texans probably not going to get a ton, but uh, you never know. This is the NFL. Now let's get into the PFF minute. Leonard Fournette is the number nine ranked rookie by PFF. Okay. I mean, if he's penalized by not playing a couple weeks, I think it's just maybe. the total grade of uh, you know each game that he's played. So I don't buy that. I've been wrong before. It's possible that they are too. <laughs> I don't buy that. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Now we will get into some stats that we do buy here. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey. Well, I don't really buy this either. He should be number one. Yeah. But he's number two cornerback coverage grade. He's allowed a passer rating of forty-two. Uh, to be clear here, uh, if you spike the ball on every play, yeah. your passer rating is 39. <laughs> That's crazy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, there's that. Uh, Jeremy Parnell, this is cool. Good for him. He deserves credit because he's played well. Number two highest rated tackle in week nine. Not right tackle. Not left tackle. I think, Both tackles. I think that's the first time we've mentioned Jeremy Parnell's name in about five weeks. And yeah. that's the best that's thing you can say about an offensive lineman. Absolutely. If you're Especially not talking, a right tackle. Yeah, yeah. If you're not talking about him, they're not doing anything to piss you off. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Alan Hearns, he has the fifth highest catch rate in the slot this year among receivers that line up in the slot at least 25% of the time. He has been effective in the slot lately, and it's, it's showing. It's yeah. paying off. It's nice. You got to like it. Uh, keep one, let one walk. We'll get through this quickly. Last week we had AJ versus AJ. We didn't see that matchup too often. You had Jalen on AJ a lot, but AJ Boye obviously won that one. I think AJ Boye, yeah, just because he played four quarters. <laughs> yeah, he played the entire game and he played well the entire yeah. game. I mean, even did he? If, I didn't notice him. <laughs> exactly. If you don't notice a corner, they're playing well. Yeah, kind of like an offensive lineman. It's crazy how once Jalen Ramsey. Left the field and AJ Green, they only the Bengals only had thirty total yards of offense. Yeah, in the entire second half. Yeah, that Jaguars defense was motivated, and we didn't talk about this too much, but the Jaguars' entire defense came to Jalen Ramsey's aid, and they were just getting after it. And yeah, Jalen Ramsey said, or uh, Jalen Ramsey before the game said, "We we got you. We're gonna I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna show a dog. A dog's coming out today because." Because of uh, Leonard Fournette being suspended. Yeah. So he was sticking up for his man. Well, he got booted, and everyone came. <laughs> Even, I think it was um, I think it was Nick Colvin, or Aaron Colvin, that said, you mess with one of us, you got to deal with 52 other guys, because yep. <laughs> we're coming at you. Yeah, it's, it's been nice to see just how tight this Jaguars camaraderie has become. So AJ Boye definitely won that one. Uh, this week... Two really impressive pass rushers. They're pretty similar. Uh, Unique Ngakwe versus Melvin Ingram. Ingram is a fantastic pass rusher. He's got a few years on Unique Ngakwe. So I was just looking up. How old is he? But uh, both guys are really impressive. We'll pull up uh, Ingram's age here real quick. I've always been so... I've, I've liked him. He came. He's he, 28. He's he, quite a bit older. Yeah. He, he right. played at uh, South Carolina. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I liked him back at South Carolina. He was very athletic. He's battled through um, some big injuries and come back from him and just kicked ass. Yeah. I mean, he's putting up huge numbers. But guess what? Ngakwe, 
But yeah, he's doing big numbers thing. himself. And he's gotten much better throughout this season and obviously from last season yeah. at defending the run. Yeah, I mean... You got to take Unique in this one. I agree. I agree. Gotcha. I feel like I feel like nationally we would get hate on this. But look I at mean, the numbers. At this moment, you might be able, you can argue for either of them at this moment. But you're building a franchise. There's no question. The only thing Ingram has on Ngakwe is experience. Right, and you know just career numbers. Uh, but only that's and that. But if they run hand in hand because if if you let's say you predict. Based on the the rate of growth that Unique Ngakwe is showing, he's going to blow Melvin Ingram out of the water. Right, that correct. Let's uh, pull that up actually real quick here. So I mean, Ingram, yeah, he's a very good player, and I don't <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks that we're going to uh, over understate that. But Unique Ngakwe started out with eight sacks in his first yeah. year. This as man a, is twenty two years old. Yeah, right now he's twenty two years old. He has 14 and a half sacks in one and a half seasons. Melvin Ingram has 33 career sacks. So he's halfway there. By the time he's 25, he'll be yeah, there. Yeah, 33 career sacks and uh, total games he's played 235. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, excuse me. That's not right. That's not right. That's way too many. That is not right. Let's see how many total games Melvin Ingram has here. Excuse me. 69. Uh, obviously, Enoch Ngakwe's pace is far exceeding anything Melvin Ingram has done. Yeah, what's and he? Melvin Ingram, his first two years, had a combined two sacks. He did get injured his second year, but he he really has come on late in his career. 2015, 10.5 sacks. 2016, 8 sacks. 2017, so far, 8.5 sacks. So you, you, a defensive player... They they're capable of not breaking the rookie pass rushing record there. Apparently, that's so. Crazy. Yeah, you got to take unique there, man. He's yeah. on pace to just be a easily a Jaguars uh, pride, you know, pride type player, and you know, yeah. And he I honestly, mean, in terms of just looking at his numbers, you say if he continues this type of production, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's 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 crazy to say that in a guy's second year. It is. But just look what he's already done. Yeah. And the fact that he can use self-motivated yeah. always feels like the underdog. He's just And he just to me he's so cerebral and he can understand like situ he does need to get better in the run game, which he has been. No he doubt he, about he it. absolutely has. But just he's a technician. He understands situational football. He knows Counter move, moves and counter moves. He can set up an offensive lineman so well. Give me a Gakwe, man. Yeah. I, 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 I can gush over every single player on this defense. There's no doubt about it. It's fun. It is fun. A lot of fun here in Jacksonville. Jaguars are 5-3. and three, Looking to be 6-3. and three, uh, Facing Gus Bradley, their former head coach. You know, Josh Lambeau is facing his former team where he was the starting kicker for two years. Hayes Pollard's coming back to Jacksonville after being cut this offseason. Gus Bradley trying to get his revenge He's for some started, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone wrote an article where Gus Bradley, I think it was actually maybe Chargers.com, saying like Gus Bradley isn't out for revenge. It's like, what revenge yeah, what Gus Bradley about? seeking? This is a man who decimated the Jaguars <laughs> yeah. franchise. What type of revenge are you talking about? If anything, the Jaguars should be getting revenge on Gus Bradley. Yeah. 
For real. But uh, that's going to wrap up our show. We had a great time today as Scott pours his uh, final beverage here. <laughs> we're, we're just uh, pumped about the season. Pumped about Jalen Ramsey being the god. Pumped about you know Leonard Fournette's going to finally return to the lineup this week. Looks like the offensive line should probably be fully healthy. Looks like D.D. Westbrook, who we haven't mentioned yet, probably should be able to make his first appearance as a Jaguar. Blake Bortles is playing the best football of his career right now. You've just got a lot to be happy about as a Jaguar fan, and you cannot let these damn Chargers come in here and spoil it. Because they cr- are capable of doing it. It's, it's crazy to me that we've gone... like There's so many football players on this Jaguars team that are so good. We failed to mention Telvin Smith... Um, Barry Church, Barry Church Gibson, Tashawn Gibson, Aaron Colvin's play didn't get brought up. Um, any of these, but because yeah. everyone is playing at such a high level, we're gushing over these these extraordinary football players. Look at the guys right behind them. Yeah, Paul Puzz loves me. Didn't really get such brought a high up level. in a positive way. He's been playing good football. He's, he's essentially a backup now. This it's 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 unbelievable how well. Every single position on the defense is playing, and on the offense as well. There have been no holes in the past two weeks on this team. No. And that is not something that's happened as a Jaguars fan in a decade. I mean, longer than that. When you talk about not having any holes for two straight weeks, literally none on the offensive, defensive, or special teams side of the ball, you're going back to 1999. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you beat the Titans, and you've done something that even they couldn't yeah. do. We'll get into the <laughs> Titans a lot more later on in the uh, season here. But it's been a fun episode, Scott. Happy you guys could all join us. Please um, review us on iTunes, on your Apple Podcasts app, or on uh, iTunes.com. Please give us a review. It helps us out a lot. Follow us on SoundCloud. Share us with your friends. Follow us on Twitter. Follow Scott at ScottKlein1. Follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. And, of course, follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter. On Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Um, we've got our tailgate this weekend. We're going to have Forever Teal shirts still. We're going to have Saxonville shirts. We're going to have... Um, Lord Ramsey, we've got all sorts of fun stuff. We're going to have free beverages for Gin Jag members, free food for Gin Jag members. Um, and we're going to be over in Tailgaters Parking, row C and D. We're there every single home game. So come and see us and uh, tell us that you found us on the podcast. We might throw you a little discount if you want a membership or a t-shirt or anything like that. And also, uh, we're looking forward to getting Hunter Evans back next week. Make sure to check him out at Coach H underscore Evans. And let's just have a fun rest of the week in Duval County. Let's go get a win on Sunday and uh, you know go into week 11 at 6-3. and three. How about that, Scott? Yeah. no. It, it's Are you awesome. about that? I'm, I'm a little bit about that. We failed to mention Martellus Bennett. Yes, a waiver. Did. Martellus Bennett recently waived by the Green Bay Packers. He would only cost the Jaguars about $400,000 for yeah. the rest of the season. He's a receiving threat at tight end. Who yep. knows if they're going to try to kick the tires on him, but it is a name to watch over the next day or Keep so. Keep an eye out. It's definitely a, a, a somewhere we, we would be looking. Yeah. Also, remember, salute to service. If you tweet hashtag salute to service, 
That'll generate a five dollar donation to the NFL's nonprofit partners. I tweeted that in the podcast. Do it. You do it too. There's no excuse. It takes two seconds. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, thanks to our sponsors, Bold City Brewery. As always, find them online at boldcitybrewery.com. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. That's gonna do it for our show. Thanks for listening to us. We really appreciate the support. And go Jaguars. Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.